0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Tech Neck podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Riverman. Dean, are you a, a do it yourself kind of guy?
1: Sometimes I am, yes. Yeah. Yes. It depends on the project, yeah. but I generally do like to try to go after myself. Now, I will admit, though, I had to replace a garbage disposal over the weekend. I did not do that myself this no? time around. No? Just, it was just a little bit too complicated. Didn't yeah. want to get into the electric. I've had to But otherwise, that I too, am a do it myself kind of guy.
0: I'm with you on the electric side of things. It's yeah, yeah, the yeah, one yeah. thing, like I've installed some ceilings fans and lights here yeah. and there.
1: You don't want to mess a with that. A little
0: nervous either. about that frankly. Anything yeah, beyond sure. that I don't want to mess with. That's right. Well, What for about sure. in the business world? Are there things that you feel like it's oh, okay yeah. to farm out and give, you know, to others to oh, do? Oh yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was quite the trend for a while. Still it continues to be a trend yeah. About yeah. using but, third parties.
0: But there's also like to be times though when you do that and it's just just not worth it. That's it's true. Just not, it's not worth the time, it's this not worth the money. Doing something in-house might be a little better now. This is true. I know like, you know, what something we do, you know, we we have some freelance designers that we use. That's right. Occasionally. And yep. I, I use some something from time to time for an ebook. Actually, there's one. Her name is Caitlin. She's amazing. Are you saying
1: we're going to start outsourcing this podcast? Uh, no, okay. we're not going to do that because it's easier and better
0: to do it in house. There I'm it is. Saying. Yes, yes, yes. You know, there's a lot of time we might. I mean, you, you got to farm that out. You got to yeah. teach people what, what to talk about. Yeah, right? you know, it's just you better to do it to ourselves. Do it. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, why yeah. not just keep it in in house to do it? <laughs> Fair enough. So my my reason for all of this. Yes, because we're talking today about in house color labeling. Yes, nice. And how it compares to doing third partying. Uh-huh. Aha. Party so many advantages
1: in, la- in color labeling, though. I mean, yeah, right, you yes, can, definitely. Yeah. yeah, you can bring it in-house now.
0: And yeah. one of our guests today, Andy Schertz from Epson, has yes. been on before talking about the benefits of color labeling. That's right. So today we've got him back along yep. with Mark Bittendorf, also from uh, Epson. Nice. To kind of talk a about, again, about this compare and contrast of why you should be helping your customers bring it in-house. Got like, it. Hey, don't rely on someone third-party. So we're going to do a, some compare and contrast around all pricing, right, yep. the reasons why you might want to, you know, uh, the benefits of in-house versus Mm -hmm. third-party, obviously. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the regulatory side of things. Ah. Because if you're doing color labeling in a business, it's probably because there's some regulation involved around it. Why it's, again, more important to do that internally. Mm -hmm. Talk about the waste factor, what's Mm -hmm. wasted when you use third-party there. Mm -hmm. And then get into just maybe how VARs can help approach their customers about moving their business. Ooh, I their, like that one. Their color label printing yes. business inside. inside. Help convince them that they need to do this. Oh, and hey, maybe sell a uh, Epson, printer Epson printer.
1: along the way? Along the way. No, yeah, get exactly. out. Yes, uh, I like
0: it. Uh, all that plus our usual value to the var. What's Tech Connecting with us? It's time to plug in and get connected.
2: Welcome to the Tech Connect podcast. It's time to get connected. Yeah.
0: As I mentioned, we have two fantastic guests with us today. First up, uh, start, first time on the pod, Mark Middendorf. He yes. is the go-to-market product manager for Epson Colorworks. Mark, welcome to the show today. Tell us a little about yourself, uh, how you got to your role. What's what's your day-to-day life like at Epson?
2: Yeah, good morning, John. I appreciate it. And and uh, Dean as well, it's it's a pleasure to be here. I've been in this business quite a while. Since uh, 1999, I was part of the team at IBM that launched the first IBM-branded thermal label printer. So uh, been, been around label printing and industrial printing a long time and had the pleasure of joining, thanks to Andy and the team at Epson, had the pleasure of joining Epson about a little over a year ago. And let me tell you, it's been the most fun and exciting part of my career because what we're talking about here today is something that is, is on the other end of that bell curve, right? And it's growing, it's on an acceleration path, and it's just super fun. So a little bit about me, I live in, honestly, the hottest place on earth, which is Lake Havasu City, Arizona. So it's just now starting to get below 100. Um, my wife and I have three kids, and I just love spending time with them on the lake or whatever we do together. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my life and that's it. Happy to be here. See, awesome. there,
1: there you go. Living there, you can actually do research on label, you know, viability in, yeah. in hot temperatures. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just stick them out in the Trust back porch. Me, it happens.
2: Yeah. All and UV, you know, the ability to withstand UV. It's all. It's all done right here. And by the way, I I, I did replace uh, our garbage disposal, and maybe you did the right thing, you know. Having someone else do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, Mine it's, was prone to leaking. It's not easy. it's yeah. not easy. It's, it's not <laughs> easy at <laughs> all.
1: No. And then you got to get the little ring. It's any anyway, yeah, yeah, To, it's, to a it's square up right. yeah, the nightmare. Yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, our other guest today, Andy Shirts. Uh, he's a senior product manager for Epson. Andy, this is your third time on the show, I believe. I believe yeah, so. Yeah, so you're you're creeping ever closer to that elusive uh, TechConnect jacket. Yeah, the jacket that somehow <laughs> doesn't exist and never gets never gets sent out to anybody. We keep uh,
1: raising the number of how many shows you have to be on. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. You know? right, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah with Cordy now it's like okay, you got to be on 20 to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well Andy, welcome back. We appreciate having you back on the show. What have you been up to since we last spoke to you about color labeling? Mm-hmm.
3: So the same thing, you know. I mean, it's continuing. So we keep going into all kinds of new industries. New things keep popping up. So it's it's exciting. It's always interesting because it's just always something new that's 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 becoming dominant in uh, with our color label printers. So uh, it's it's more applications than you might even think about. So it's very, very busy. There you go. <laughs> nice. All right.
0: A couple of guys that know their stuff yep. are excited about their that's stuff. Right. Too. That's, that's right. That's right. Yep. That's yep. the yep. best yep. kind of guest. All right. Well, let's let's get into this. Let's start talking about this idea of you know uh, bringing color labeling in-house versus going out and using third-party pre-printed mm. you know, folks or whatever. Yep. And let's start with, I mean, because I think an obvious comparison here of what to figure out is the pricing. Pricing, mm. lead times, that's the mm-hmm. stuff you know that most people are going to think like, all What's right. What's the cost? Yeah, yeah. What does it cost me to go outside to do this versus if I do it inside? So yeah. help us out here. How does that compare, you know, you know bringing in uh, color labeling and printing inside versus outside? What are you, what are you really looking at from a price and lead time perspective?
3: Okay. Well, the first thing that, uh, the first and most simplest thing that people ask is, what's the cost of this one label compared to this one label? This is made inside, this made outside. And the truth is we compare very favorably, right? So it's not as though we're kind of talking about uh, well, we, we know we buy it outside, but if we do it inside now, it's going to become wildly expensive. You know, so in a simplistic term, you know, we're, we're right in where we need to be. You know, these are these are business inkjet printers that are designed for production. So they have production costs in mind. Uh, you know, and I think the big variable would be, you know, how many is somebody making, right? So if they only need, you know, uh, 5,000, well, then probably the color label printing in-house is actually just flat out cheaper, Right. But if they said, I need 500 million identical labels that will be shipped to me truckload month after month, well, maybe a preprinted would be would be cheaper.
2: So here's another way to look at it. You know, uh, guys, we, in preparation for this, Andy and I were looking at some prices just, you know, that are out there and to either get a third party or print in-house, right? So we we're looking at a quote from third party to print something like maybe this right here. Okay. Basic four by six label, product label, and so here's here's what really caught stuck out to us. If you're printing ten thousand, if you're getting ten thousand labels, which is really that that magic number where the cost per label becomes economical. So if you're getting ten thousand, then it's it's very close, like Andy said, to buying you know a third party printing in house or Let's say they only need 100. Let's say it's a pilot run. Guess how much that cost per label goes up. 40X.
1: Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, okay.
2: 40X. So the difference between 10,000 to 100, 40 times the cost per label, that's why we're in this business and it's growing so fast is because, you know, customers that have a lot of skus they're either buying 10,000 times all their skus at at a minimum or they're paying they're paying a premium per per label let's talk a little
1: bit about flexibility too you know as it relates to that because i think that you know what we're seeing in the marketplace is you know the word of uh, um of being able to privatize or or uh, personalize i'm sorry personalize you know uh, the experience and sometimes that breaks down to the label and mm-hmm. or uh, I think companies feel the need to modify labels to keep up with design, or you know, make sure that they're uh, communicating what they need to communicate on the label, and the, you know, you get branding people and marketing people like myself right, right. involved, and yeah, we're going to want to change it. Like every like, Halloween, months.
0: shouldn't we be changing yeah, up the colors exactly. right yeah, yeah. So,
1: so when you talk about lead times, right? If you're if you're outsourcing it and printing it, your lead times turning a little bit of an issue as it compares to in-house. Uh, are you guys seeing some of that in the marketplace too? Just the flexibility yeah. that in-house is bringing and and the demand for that? Is that part of the reason why we're seeing an uptick?
3: Yeah, so let's go right back to what Mark just said, and, and let's take what your theme is right there, which is actually, that is the industry theme. More micro-targeting in the marketing, sub-branding. You know, it's not just ketchup with one grand brand. Now, we have all kinds of, this is, you know, uh, people trying to make their things specialized and stuff like this. People trying different ways to reach their customers. Now, what Mark just said, though, is that uh, how are you gonna? How are you gonna? Let's say even talk about prototyping. How are you gonna prototype this? Okay, if you really need to buy ten thousand, just 10, is where the the outside label just suddenly becomes slightly economical. So you say, if if I want to be nimble, I want to have all this micro branding. I want to do all this stuff, and yet every variation, I got to at least bring in ten or twenty thousand. You know, and then I look at it in there and I say, you know what? This is, this didn't look like what we really thought it should have looked like. That's in the trash and it's another 20,000. Okay. So you got to think that I can't just get 50. I cannot print a little, you know, sample run and let my marketing people take a look at it. Everything when I go outside is going to be this big production and they got to make a lot to get, to get the cost anywhere reasonable. Okay. And remember the second thing about that is it's very different if I have my printer sitting right next to me and i've got my graphic designer and we print it and we get it on the label and we go oh that doesn't look good or that does look good when you're ordering outside you're basically making kind of a spec and then you send it off into the into the ether to some other vendor and you wait for the you know a couple of weeks for the stuff to come over you see you don't like it you got to start that process over and over again so you're just nowhere near the speed of getting this thing done so here's another
2: Thing, too, is what we're hearing more and I've just a couple of the, the shows that I've been at recently is more and more businesses are wanting to do exactly what you said, Dean. They want to personalize for different holidays, different times of the year, and that almost becomes economically infeasible when your cost per labor label is going up, let's say 10x or 20x, Right. So with print on demand, businesses are saying, wow, I can I can personalize for a wedding, right? For special events, like really micro-focused events, and add a ton of value to their customers. And that's how that's one way that this is really changing the game. Is it's the first time that it that it not only can they get a super high definition label that looks as good as something pre-print, but they can customize for any event or time of year or season.
1: Like I said, definitely hearing about the trend, you know, but I wonder guys, and, and I'd like to get your take on this. I don't know label printing as well as I maybe should, but do, is, there, is there a trade-off in the sense that Colorworks, as great as it is, can produce certain types of labels but you know are there other ty- are there i don't know temperature sensitive labels or other types of labels that you know as nice as as it would be to have that kind of flexibility of doing it in house there's still you know some industries and whatnot that require certain specifications that uh, you know, is not really meant to be a, an in-house type of label, or am I completely wrong in that? In, in, the, in that, ColorWorks really can do, or or those types of products can do a lot of different things with different labels.
3: So I think you you bring up an interesting point here. That as far as uh, the function of the label, there isn't really anything that I can think of. Uh, you know, that you cannot do with the color uh, on-demand color labels. So, for example, we have extreme durability. To, harsh chemicals so we we somebody's labeling something that if it spills on the label it's highly caustic but our labels are really quite bulletproof okay and of course we have the you know up to 1200 dpi resolution with variable droplet size that allows un unimaginably precise shadings and and fine fine text and everything like that so there's not much that we can't do in the terms of function so You know, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, a premium product or it's a legal regulatory label, probably we can handle all of it. But there are certain elements that people put on labels like foil stamping. Well, yeah, we cannot, the printer can't actually do foil stamping. You know, there's certain techniques like that or or there's some labels that actually have embossing, right? The the printer cannot do embossing. However, I will point out that uh, that doesn't mean uh, we cannot do kind of a hybrid approach or somebody, if they really need a a foil embellishment, Okay, then order the foil embellishment on blank stock. The printer will print everything else. So, yeah, there's not much we can't really do with the, with the on-demand That's printer.
1: awesome. I appreciate you answering that because, you know, I was just putting myself in the VAR shoes. And maybe they feel like they don't want to have the conversation around some of the labels because they feel like, oh, well, that's got to be a specialized label. So, right, I'm, you right. know, I wouldn't even want to have that conversation. But uh, to your point, Andy, it's, no, have the conversation. Doesn't you, know, what, to ask. Yeah. What, you know, have the conversation. See if there's still viable to bring it in-house because maybe the, te- the print technology is not going to be the thing that's holding you back. Right. And yeah. then there's workarounds on other things. So that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Well,
3: well, you know, I'd like just to kick off from the intro a little bit here. We had a little bit of talk about do-it-yourself and, you know, the garbage disposal and should you touch something that has electrical stuff in it or not and everything like <laughs> that. <laughs> well, one of the things I think about the the printer is that, that we're offering here, you know, that the, the, the latest study our on-demand color printers is that it isn't so complicated like replacing a garbage disposal. In fact, I think people are shocked that they take the printer, they take their Adobe Illustrator, and they're making beautiful labels like in five minutes. And they, they think it should be a hard thing. And then they realize, oh, you mean I just put the stock in and I hit print? And I go, that's all you do. It's really not complicated. Really so good point.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Good point.
0: Well, well, Andy, you mentioned a little bit about the regulatory side of things. And, and I know, you know, companies that have a lot of regulation, again, especially something related to chemicals, pharmaceuticals, and others, other, you know, other types of industries, too, where, where regulation is a big, big deal. and. The color aspect can be a big part of that too, sometimes because it's required and because it can also help things stand out and be different from your standard black and white label when you're trying to very effectively communicate some sort of regulatory uh, compliance Mm -hmm. that your particular product or your shipment or whatever it is has. So talk to us about some of the industries that are impacted there. I know I kind of mentioned a couple, but I'm sure you have more examples and how the the in-house labeling can really make compliance easier for them versus going out third party.
3: So let, yeah, let's talk about, that. let's talk about an industry that's a newly emerging industry like uh, cannabis, right? So there's people that are trying to, now it's been legalized in many places. Okay. But guess what? We have 50 different States and I don't know how many different counties there are, and even their cities and they're all dictating content. Yep. A lot okay? of different compliance there. And it's changing fast. Okay. So what was Mark saying? If I'm ordering labels, unless I'm ordering high volumes of labels, my cost per label from an outside print shop is exorbitant. So if I order a high volume of labels and then they say, oh, by the way, Massachusetts now wants a little green leaf over this red icon with a one through three indicator, all that just became scrap. And so what we find is that, yeah, the, the regulations are changing constantly because the regulations are designed by people thinking up of regulations. And each time you modify that, you just kill all the preprint that somebody just ordered. Yeah, I mean,
2: this is r- regulated labeling is honestly the most prime for print on demand because whether it's cannabis chemical medical any industry that requires regulation it's it's getting to the point that it's almost impossible to do everything pre-print one of the one of the processes uh john and dean that that was used a lot with chemical was what what's called a two-step right so Businesses would buy a pre-print label with the pre-print color elements and then run it through a traditional label printer to print the black, the variable data, right? But there again, the problem is every time a regulation changes, that just becomes a waste. Andy and I were, were literally at a show a couple weeks ago in Las Vegas, and we had a customer come in the booth that said they just had to throw out $200,000 of media because a regulation changed and they weren't printing on demand. And that's why they were in our booth, because they said we cannot allow this to continue, (laughs) right? So this is real. This happens. And it's setting up this... I like to say the perfect storm with the lead times, the regulation, the demand or the desire for businesses to kind of own their own destiny, it's all leading towards the ability to print on demand. And now the technology, thanks to Epson, is finally there for to empower these businesses to take that step.
1: What an interesting commentary right i mean yeah. here you have a bunch of people who think they're doing good i guess through regulations <laughs> and stuff like that you hear it from business owners all the time how how uh, uh, incredibly frustrating it yeah. is to be regulated and have to uh, address and here's a real world example right yeah. you've got yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars of labels that you've invested in and oh by the way it's, it's all you know yeah. garbage yeah. because we've changed this regulation in one way and and, and yeah. there's a lot of different industries i mean you know you rattled off a couple of them mark but it's you know food bad Cosmetics and personal Mm -hmm. care, pharmaceuticals, Mm -hmm. chemicals, you know, um, medical devices. I mean, there's just – there's a lot of industries that have regulation around it and, to the point, the need to be much more flexible in light of what's happening via legal or regulations or things of that nature. Really fascinating.
0: Yeah, and I know we mentioned cannabis, obviously, you know, because it's still very Wild West and, you know, there's there's no, you know – there's no standardization from, like, you know, Andy you mentioned state to state, county to county, city to city sometimes. Yeah, right? I, You know, I've done some marketing campaigns around this and around mm. the labeling part of it, and you're right. Every time I look at it, I'm like, good grief, like... You can go find a list of every single state of exactly what's different for every single one of them. Mm. So if you're operating a business that's crossing state lines, you have different, completely oh, right. different there labeling practices yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think even if you take that aside and get into the industries, you know, that maybe have you know a, a, you know standardized regulations like chemical processes or pharmaceuticals or whatever, where it's you know maybe a, a national standardization. Even that though, it's still not easy because. To your point, changes happen on a regular basis. They're always reevaluating this stuff. Mm -hmm. Those labels have to be very, very precise and have a lot of precise, detailed information. And as soon as you find something wrong... Again, yeah, you might have to scrap an entire thing, or you know, or or a dramatic change might occur. And I'm sure this happens a lot because I know what regulatory bodies are like, mm. where they they don't let you know that this stuff's coming down the pike necessarily. <laughs> right. They might be <laughs> discussing it, and then one day they just flip a switch and say, "Oh, by the way, yeah. by you know, it, within three weeks, by the end of the quarter, you need to change up all your labeling in order to have this particular new little yellow widget in the corner mm-hmm. in order to verify this." So, mm, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I can definitely see how. It, you mark to your point. This is the low hanging fruit. I feel like for for Vars, if you yep. if you're working with any it of these is. companies. That are doing this kind of regulatory labeling that are, that's that there's these requirements. There's no reason they shouldn't be doing this in house. So you know we'll, we'll get to this in a moment of like mm. where to start with vars mm-hmm. and you know what they, what they should be going out and doing. But I think this is a, a very low hanging fruit if you've got these kind of customers. Those are conversations you should probably be having sooner than Absolute, later about right. bringing their yeah. printing in house, but yeah. not already. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's pivot here real quick, because we we mentioned this a little bit earlier, mm. Andy, you kind of hinted about the waste factor here. And you guys both have mentioned it here that, you know, especially, you know, if, if you're if you're asking for large sheets of, of mm. labels mm-hmm. and you get them back and then suddenly you've got to make some changes or if something has completely changed where you they no longer are viable. What are we dealing with there on the, the third party side? Do, do these pre-printed suppliers, do a lot of them still have like minimum order requirements where even if you wanted to order from them, they're saying like, hey you can't just get 500 labels from us. We need you to order a thousand at a time. So even if you only need 500, you're going to get a thousand and hopefully <laughs> and use that other 500 at some other time or you're just that of luck. Is that still happening? And then also what does happen when, you know, situations occur, like you mentioned earlier, like these, if a misprint happens or if some mm. other kind of issues going on, like are, are you know, are our, our customers just, are they eating the cost of that stuff? And, and and just dealing with it because maybe they didn't give the right info or those third parties taking any responsibility for that. So give us a little insight into the wasteful side of things here.
3: Well, you know, if, if I, you know, uh, basically you're going to get a chance. You're going to send a little, uh, uh, request over to label house and they're going to deliver what you asked for. Okay. Then when you get it, you realize, Oh, I needed a little red icon over here. Well, that's not the label p- producer's problem. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you know, you told me to make you a chocolate cake with pink frosting. There's a chocolate cake with pink frosting. Now, the fact you don't like the way that looks or you think it tastes bad, that's your problem. okay? And and so, you know, fundamentally, the 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 manufacturer that's ordering the labels has to just eat all these things. You know, I mean, obviously, if there's a true misprint like it just was done something uh, their the printing press had a, a failure. Well, the that's on the that's on the the, uh, the the label supplier. But that's not normally the problem. Normally, what the problem is going to be is that some of the content changed, or the person ordering labels is unhappy with the way it looks. Uh, didn't look I you know when you actually saw it, it didn't look like what they had in their mind, or there's something has changed about it. They have to eat all that you know, and uh, and it just gets it just gets baked into the cost. So. One of our opening questions here was the cost. And and let's say we said, well, okay, this one's a 10 cents a label. And even this one preprint is 10 cents a label. So it's equal, right? It's equal. But when you throw away $200,000 of labels, you've got to add that back in. So suddenly that equal isn't really equal. It was 10 cents for this way. And it's 30 cents for this way because when you factor in that waste, right? And even I have to buy 10,000. So you ask, you know, can I give you 500? Sure, they'll give you 500 for for the price of 10,000. Uh, Because the problem is their machine is designed to produce a lot and it takes a lot of setup. They have to charge you one way or the other for that setup. Either they amortize it over 10,000 labels or they amortize it over 500. But you're going to you're going to pay it either way. they look at me, whatever quantity you want, you can ask them for one. It's probably one for the price of 10,000. Right. Uh, You know, so so the, the bottom line is. If you have your buyer, they're always going to order too many labels, very simply, right? Because they want to get the price break because the, the the mentality is, I got to get this down, this price per label down. And then you just have a warehouse full of all this unused stock that you got to save yourself money. You spent the money to save money somehow in some strange dynamic.
2: So, jo- so John and, and Dean, so Andy and I, we've been at this a little bit, you know, and we've seen countless cases where there's racks as wide as my house with rolls and rolls of pre-print media and without fail on those racks there's a there's a certain portion of that that is literally unusable why because there's a shelf life and it's typically around two years it depends on the environment the humidity the heat if it's in arizona Trust me, that shelf life is going to be a lot less. But there's a shelf life, and so that's what happens too. Is they 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 buy the big volumes to get that that cost per label down, but then they don't use it all. It becomes waste. Something changes, and here's one other thing I'm going to throw out, and you guys can appreciate this. Being in marketing, I spent much of my career in marketing. Well, marketing, we love to tweak things, right? Hey, we can make this a little bit better. We can move this here and constantly, it's constantly happening in brochures and and revisions. Well, as Andy just said, when that happens, all that preprint just goes to waste, right? To implement any design change. So it's, again, it's creating the perfect storm for customers that see they walk in our booth, they see they can print a beautiful high-res color label for, let's say, $0.10 cents all in. They honestly cannot believe it. I, I'm, I don't know how else to say it. They can't believe it because they're used to dealing with buying this high volume. and And think about this, too. It's not just the cost per label. They're paying someone to p- procure all those labels. They're paying someone to receive them unpack them, put them on a shelf somewhere. They're paying for that floor space, right? It's the big it's the big picture of what's what's that really costing that business.
1: Yeah, for sure. Let's go down an angle of the ESG, not to, to bring it out, but I know it's <laughs> becoming even more prevalent, you know, uh, in in industry and manufacturing and uh, just, you know, corporate policy to have an environmental, social, and governance uh, kind of policy. And, and a lot of manufacturers, not just media or, or whatever, uh, are starting to deploy tactics of quantifying, you know, right. like, hey, if you put in a color works, and I don't know, I'm just, I'm picking on you because you're, you're here, but, you know, if you, but the, the analogy would be, oh, if you put in a color works, it's going to have this much of a positive impact on right, the environmental right. you know your environmental footprint because you know it's it's just in time printing and so there right. you know your waste is going down x or or whatnot have you guys gotten there are you are you trying to develop those types of arguments you know as far as you know why you should consider a colorworks product or is that coming down in the future not to put you on the spot um, yeah. but you and know you know gosh, where i'm going
3: if you if you look at the you know our parent company Epson, for example, is is extremely environmentally conscious, okay, and uh, and that's a major you know tenet of the the you know philosophy to be you know integrate with the world in a harmonious fashion, right? And so that's why our printers, for example, happen to be extremely low power amongst other things, you know. So the the power footprint of this technology is is really low, but you know. We've seen all kinds of people concerned, you know, we have people that that they don't want the paper bags in the grocery store, right? Because uh, you use the bag and you're throwing away and, you know, it came from paper and paper is a pretty energy intensive process that chops down trees and all that. So people are very concerned about, you know, paper waste. Okay, Uh, of course, uh, people then think, uh, you know, of course, what do we do with our paper bags? We recycle it. Right. But but guess what? Label stock is not so easy to recycle because you've got this media media. Uh, with a liner and glue on it and you know most of the the if you have a roll of old labels that you never used most likely just the the trash bin is it's it's home right so uh yeah so you know it's a it's a it's a vastly greener thing to just buy a few rolls of blank media and then turn it into whatever you need just when you need it and you're just you know uh, we used to have a, a term we called it just-in-time color. Like, in other words, it's a very lean supply chain thing. So it's not a supply chain full of waste, right? I mean, even if you go back to the uh, – when you order the preprint labels, to get it started, if you see one of these machines, they're huge. They have to thread so much media through that machine just to get it set up and then to do the first tile run. You'd be shocked how much waste is going to come off that machine. Where what is the waste of uh, the Colorworks little on-demand printer? Pretty much it will print on the very first label and the very last label. It's nearly 100% utilization, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a powerful message there. And I think it's becoming, you know, especially our, our, our comrades in Europe, uh, they're really getting, you know, a, a lot of, uh, of focus on that, you know. So, uh yeah, it's it's all up and down the spectrum. Even even the inks we use are very safe and and environmentally conscious and everything like that. So that, that what you print on, and we get asked by that. So in fact, we were just at a show, Mark and I, and people were asking about what's in the ink. Like, is this something bad on this label to throw away? I said, no, it's not. So, yeah, it's definitely becoming a, a bigger, bigger thing.
1: I agree with you, Andy. That's kind of why I brought it up. I mean, you know, you, we're getting asked a lot more about it. I think that VARs should be become a little bit more savvy about weaving that into their conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Mark's example, and yes, we, we've we had the example in our warehouse of skids of product that we're housing, you know, on behalf of customers that you know if something changes and whoop now all that stuff and there's nothing you can do with it but right, throw it away. Right. You can't recycle it. It's not a recyclable type of material. So. Not something
0: anyone else can really use no. potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> hey, would you like our pre-printed labels that are specific <laughs> to us and our company and our
1: products? Like no, I don't no, need these. Yeah. They don't help me. Yeah. No, really, pennies on the dollar. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even. So even then, yeah. You know, it's it's a viable part of the conversation to get into, and to me, that's just one of these advantages of this kind of this ColorWorks on-demand kind of color label printing mm-hmm. world is the ability to lower footprints and in a lot of different ways as, as it relates to the environment, which is becoming more and more important, you yeah. know, oh, and yeah. especially the younger, the generation that's in the conversation, way more important. Yeah, so yeah. Exactly. anyway. And you, to your point,
0: more and more companies are simply making it part of their yeah. their brand, their that's statement, right. their feeling. And yep. and, and honestly, they're more and more of them are going to start asking no, they They're are customers that, about it. They're that's gonna right. Start bringing up that that part of the conversation. Well, you just heard Andy See, say, yeah, yeah. You have to have that part as part of your conversation. That's right. You, you got to be ready to answer those questions if someone yeah. comes to you and says, "Hey, how does buying from you help me out with my my ESG compliance?" Yeah, uh, exactly. If, uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might lose out to Don't the company. They can say, yet. "Oh well, hey, because we work with Epson, and that's Epson right. is committed to doing this and that." And that's right. Here's how we're going to save you money. You know, and save you waste. You know. So yeah, yeah, that's it. Good good stuff there. All right. Well then, so let's let's wrap this up. The main conversation here by talking about you know the. Getting back to VAR's approach mm, mm-hmm. to their existing customers, yeah. going out and talking to them, I'm sure there are still going to be some folks, unfortunately, that are a little skeptical about this because, you know, maybe they're price chasers. Maybe they're just like, hey, I've worked out some deals where I buy X amount. I get this this much. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I can't replicate that by doing that in-house. Maybe they're just really not interested in it. Maybe they just like, hey, I don't want to have to try to pivot our operations to figure out how to do this in-house, and we've got a third party doing it for us. So mm-hmm. you know, what are, how do you respond to that kind of you know, maybe disinterest and skepticism? How would you recommend that VARs approach customers about having these conversations? And, you know, and do you have any kind of best practices or success stories that, you'd, that you could share with them that maybe they can go out and use and share with their customers too?
3: So I'll say that, I'll kick it off here, that, that in my PowerPoints, that when i'm going out doing you know var training or even talking with end users the one slides uh, that always gets everybody's jump suddenly looking up their seats is i show like mark talked about these racks of labels okay and when you show that rack of labels and you show that inventory this is what get people it gets their attention right so i always recommend to the var go in there and let the customer tell you how they do it today and get to that room where all those labels are in. Let them talk. They're gonna start telling you, well, yeah, we got to order, we got to do this, we got to buy this minimum thing, we're gonna talk about throwaway, you know, you're especially depending on, well, I don't even care what size of business you are, that's a lot of capital tied up in labels, right? And that lets people look at the, start thinking about the problem. I think that people begin to actually almost sell themselves on the product when they start looking at the hassle of what they're doing today and they start talking through it so the best thing to do for the bar is just get yourself in that room and let the customer start talking and i think they're going to paint the picture why they need an on-demand solution because it it doesn't it's not an easy thing like mark said you're paying people to manage it you're ordering you got lead times you got waste you know what you're throwing away you don't know what you got you thought you had it now you go to produce it and you didn't have it now you're doing a rush order let them you know again you focus on their pain point and that's where their pain point is at.
2: So, so that's step number one. So, so this is, this is good stuff, guys. So step number one is what Andy just, just took through. Okay. Step number two. And sometimes these, these steps don't go in the same order because if it's someone comes into our booth, for example, I love it. When we're a show, someone comes into our booth, we're printing something like this, right? It's got, it's got live imagery on the side. It's very detailed, very deep. They see it coming out of our printer. Half the time they honestly can't believe it. They we've got they've got to lift up the cover to see are we are we really printing on blank media? Okay, so that's step number 2 is they've got to see samples. And we can provide or our vars are the ones, right? They provide samples on all types of media, mats, polys, high gloss. I mean, you name it, foils. So that's step two. But then guess what? They see it. They love it. What's the next question? Guys, what's the next question they're going to ask? How much? (laughs) How much, right? So they're sold. The fish is on the line. The next thing is how much. This is what really... And, and Andy can attest to this way more than I is does this, how many times has this really driven the deal home when they see that total cost, right? We have an in cost calculator. That's very precise can tell them with a, with a very high degree of precision, how many thousands of labels per four colors that they're going to be able to get, you know, printing that label. And they see what that total in cost is per label. There, I've seen it with my own eyes. They, they literally are like, "Wow, how could I have been buying and having all these headaches for all these years? Buying pre-print, and now I can do it on demand for maybe the same per label cost, or sometimes less, without all that headache. Complete game changer." So that's step one, two, three. That's it right there. There
1: you go. Yeah. Well,
0: and I think there's a very good point there too, because we talk about these third party, you know, uh, companies, print companies, and most of them are probably dealing with large industrial machines doing all this printing for them because they're doing such large orders. absolutely. And if you're someone, if you've been working with these folks, maybe they brought you out there to tour the facility to kind Mm -hmm. of convince you to come on board. Like, hey, take a look at what we do here and how Mm -hmm. this works. Maybe they looked at all that and thought, Oh wow, this is a massive, yeah. huge business more, here. Yeah, and when you're telling them, oh, you can do that in house. They're like, no, I can't. I've seen what they what yeah. they work with. I <laughs> I don't. Are you telling me your little desktop printer yeah. over here can do what they're doing? No, they can't do that. Right. But to your point, you show them. Sometimes that's it's just a matter of like, hey, let me show you what we can actually mm-hmm. do. Like you said, maybe they lift that lid and think there's like little el- magic elves in there doing the work or something, and they realize like, no, this can <laughs> this can really do it. And that you're you're right. Sometimes it's it's just a matter of the the show not tell, where you you get someone to you know to to see what can actually be done and what can happen, what they can do, and how easy it is mm. can completely change their impression and picture about this, that, and maybe erase some of that skepticism and that disinterest that they've had because they just assumed it was yeah. something Too big. That, that it is right. that it is actually not yeah something yeah. they could not possibly bring in house. So yeah. Yeah. all right, great stuff. Yeah. Uh, hey, all right, John. Well, then, I gotta
2: say, hey, John. I just gotta say that point was so good because I've had, we've had customers literally tell us they can't believe the machine is so small. They're like, I was thinking it would be, I, this happened to me just recently. I, I was on a doing a training and they're like, how big is the machine? I pointed my camera down, right? To see the one right on my desk here. They're like, no way. Yeah. Yes way. Right? They were thinking it was this big, right? What's For on the other point, side of the wall? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That point you brought up is so valid. Anyway, back to you. (laughs) <laughs> All right.
0: Well, hey, w- before we uh, wrap up here with our value to the var, let's uh, let these guys tell you a little bit more about how Epson, in particular, is helping out here. If you haven't heard enough of that by by now, right. well, we'll condense it even f- further for you to t- tell you how they can help you go out and win some in-house color labeling business. Nice. But uh, as always, we like to thank our sponsors here on the Tech Connect podcast. Thank you so much to Epson, who sponsors our Tech Connect program. Yep. Uh, we appreciate uh, what you guys you know do for for us for our program with our ISVs as well as you know, the support that you're giving to our podcast.
1: Absolutely.
3: Uh,
0: hey, if you like the show, you got to tell us. Yeah. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast on a regular basis, maybe if this is even just your first time, mm-hmm. it's always nice to just let give us a little validation, yeah. not for our sakes, but because you letting us know that you like us helps other people know that they should be checking this That's out. Right. That's right. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, smash that subscribe button, subscribe mm-hmm. to our channel. There's lots mm-hmm. of other good stuff that we do on Blue Star's YouTube channel. If you're listening on the podcaster of your choice, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, if there's an opportunity to leave a rating review, please do that. I'd love to see some of those reviews. even if it's just a quick, you know, note saying, hey, like what you guys are doing, keep it up. There you go. Uh, And as always, we need to know what you want to hear about and talk about on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So we need to hear that from you. Uh, Maybe there's a certain type of guest you want to hear from, a certain vendor you want to hear from, a certain topic particular to you and your business. Maybe you're just like, hey, I want Andy and Mark to come back on and talk some more about color labeling in this context. Just tell us. We don't know if you don't tell us. You got to let us know. Uh, yep. So there's always a link in the show notes where you can send in submissions, ideas for the podcast just for sending those in. We will send you a Technic podcast.
1: There soon. you go. Boom.
0: That's and it. And a new one at that, right? A new one at newly that, Newly yes. designed. We are yes. newly designing some for the new year. So if you do it right now, you may have to wait a couple months before you get it, but I promise it will pay off. When you eventually get that nice, there soft, yes. cool t-shirt software yes wear around. Yes. Yes. Uh, and as always, if you want to connect with us directly, you can find us on x slash Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap up our conversation. Let's talk about a little VAR value here. Yes. And again, I feel like most of this conversation has been a lot of good talking points mm-hmm. for VARs, a lot mm-hmm. of helping them understand mm-hmm. how they can go out and pull this business back in-house mm-hmm. and and away from these third parties. But let's wrap it up here by talking about Epson in particular, because you guys have been very, very proactive about color labeling. You know, we've had Andy on a few times talking about this topic. It's you know, colorworks, I know it was a big part of your product line and what you do. And for good reason, because obviously, you know, you're kind of moving the mark here about what can be done in-house. Tell us how you help VARs They'll go out and address some of these issues we've discussed today. How's Epson in particular going to help them through having these conversations and getting their customers to in-house color label printing?
3: So, so one of the things is we do a lot of education, right? So, so we, we do events like this. We'd also do a lot of training. And one of the things we try to do, uh, is expand the VAR's visibility or horizon of what this opportunity is. Okay. What is always amazing when I do a VAR training, and I think Mark would have a similar sentiment, is you know, you sit there and you think like color printers. And in fact, when you look, talk about what kind of printer the end user normally had, it was a monochrome printer that, because they almost always, even if they're using preprint, they still have to do some printing in house. It's not as though they, they don't have any printing in house it's just they always only did what they called the variable print the black and white okay and so uh, you know so they think about that they, and what's always shocking is when i start talking about all the different ways that colors can in, actually enhance the business usage so you know there's pretty labels that might go on a product but there's also just functional labels like color coding a warehouse or uh, highlighting a certain warning or making the certain pieces of information stand out so they reduce errors And you start showing all these different dynamics and you watch the faces in the crowd light up. And usually when we start talking to the bars, whatever was supposed to be a, you know, whatever an hour meeting becomes a two hour meeting because they can't, they're impressed and shocked by all the different applications. So one of the ways we do it is actually expand their horizons with this whole diversity of things they can do. It's more than they expected.
2: Yeah, I got to, I totally agree with that. I mean, I do a lot of trainings as well all over the country for, for VARS and going through all those use cases. They're sitting back in their chair at the end, like, wow, like I honestly didn't think a half of those, you know, and, um, that's what makes it so fun. And that's really what we, we invest a lot of time, a lot of energy in training, equipping because to us, and this is fundamental with Epson as a company is a partnership. We're all about the partnership, and that's why we we sincerely value what you you guys are doing and the opportunity to be on this because it demonstrates a partnership that we have with you and with our VAR community because we need to be a part of that ecosystem. And I want to just show another example here. I mean, in terms of like thinking outside the box, this is something we're working on now uh, called Label Boost. That you take something as basic as a shipping label. Well, what about the ability to include the required, you know, battery uh, info and and a promo at the bottom, right? I mean, this is game-changing stuff that... A color
1: promo at that that sticks out. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Exactly. This is stuff that customers don't know what they don't know. They're not thinking in this dimension. So it takes our VARs, someone at one of our VARs to go in and turn on that light bulb, right? To start that discussion. And that's what is is so fun about this business. So, yeah, we we invest a lot in making sure our vars have the information that they need to be successful.
1: All right, so here's my curveball to you guys. What are your top 3 verticals industries or whatever that you're seeing growth from a color label perspective i mean is it is it cannabis is cannabis one of the top three so if, if i'm a reseller sitting back and thinking to myself okay i know my customer base what are some of the ones that are kind of taking off on the color label side do you guys have an opinion there just like the top one two three
3: yeah well one of them continues to be strong is the is uh, of course the the chemical industry because they require color warning so it, it it's very it's It's what I call legally mandated variable color. So you can't, it's not like just a color element. It's some variable number of color elements that you don't necessarily know. And it's not necessarily consistent, even though it's, even I'm making chemical X, everybody, every different state has a threshold that whether this warning is required or not required, blah, blah, blah. So chemical, you know, always continues to be big. The second one is picture on a label. So, you know, uh, you know, I'm a big we talked started kicking off this conversation about home improvement. I'm kind of like a black belt of home improvement. And I've been going to these big do it yourself stores for a long time. And they used to write on the boxes what's inside. Right. They, they say this is a half inch T e PVC, blah, blah, blah. And if you read it, even your native English reader, it takes you forever to find this stuff. Go into it now. Every single box has a picture of what's in that box. Makes it, and they, they'll even color code the size of what's in that box, right? So the fact that you have high resolution on demand that can produce a picture, go look around and you'll see pictures of what's inside the box on the product label. So that's a big, big thing. Yeah,
2: and think of this there's thousands and thousands of SKUs. That's where this is going, right? I mean, you have hardware, you have fittings. Y- you can't even count the number, the different types of fittings that are out there, right? To do all this. Pre-print is an astronomical task when it comes to things like hardware, fittings, fixtures. So that definitely is another one. So Andy, you've, you've called two there. Do you have a third one there? Well, and
3: then again, it's, it's, it, it is then I'm going to call, we, we refer to the to term as like boutique label. But what we're talking about are, you know, it, it used to be kind of like you had, one brand of ketchup, you had one brand of uh, this, you had one, you know, a couple of big major brands of coffee. But, you know, look at beer, you know, you had your Budweiser, now it becomes the microbrew section. Okay. So everything is becoming uh, more specialized. This is a special herbal tea, da 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 You know, and, and coffees, there's, there's so many types of coffees, both regional and, and variations. All that stuff starts becoming impractical to label. In bulk because it's not bulk product, right? So that all these I'll call them, you know, more segmented manufacturers trying to reach their customers with more individualized products is really is blowing the lid off this thing because uh, it's too hard to do those kind of labeling with the preprint.
1: Mark, you got three.
3: And hey, hey, I'm gonna. Well, I was gonna throw in a
2: bonus one because those really. he really did cover the top you know top three but the bonus one I'm gonna throw out is visitor management and just this I mean just within the last few weeks we've had some massive opportunities come to us large businesses right that want to have a full color guest page and and get this this is something pretty cool uh, that came just to me recently and I was working on yesterday a badge that actually has a, uh, something in the material that will say void after 12 hours. That kind of technology is out there. And, and so it allows the badge with a full color image of the person to be printed on our printer. And then after 12 hours, there's a section that shows up as void. This is cool stuff because security is front and center for everyone, whether it's businesses, universities, schools. So visitor management is another, is another big one both for that application and trade shows, because you think of the waste that happens at a trade show, right? With all this pre-print stock. Now most of the shows you go to are all are all print, like this one here, uh, printed on our printers, on demand, right? it's so much more environmentally friendly. It's so anyway, that's your bonus one. DMs. I like the bonus yeah, one. Yeah. I'm
1: so glad Andy brought up breweries because I was looking for an opportunity for a reason for our resellers <laughs> to go to a brewery, you know, and and now we got it. Color label, sell
0: some printers and maybe uh, do a little sampling while you're there. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. We love it. Yeah, We love it. That's it. That's I it. like
0: it. All right. Great stuff. Um, yeah. And I very much appreciate the idea of a little outside of the box thinking to like, Hey, it doesn't have to be just all about your, your standard labeling on shipments or whatever, that it can be That's stuff right. in-house too. Yep. And you know, and the visitor manager, I think, is a perfect example. that. And I've actually been to a company before that had that kind of like that fade-in mm-hmm. kind of label where mm-hmm. you put it on and like – I think it was like a little stop sign or something. And if you wore it for more than a day or something, or if you had it you know, around for more than a day, a stop sign appeared in mm-hmm. the background That's of it that cool. wasn't there before. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. That's to cool. indicate like, hey, you've been here for too yeah. long. or yeah. get out. You know, or you should be back here. Yes, yeah. this is an old label. So <laughs> I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's, uh, let's wrap up here then with our favorite segment each week. What's tech connecting with ah, you? Yes. Mm-hmm. This is where we get to talk about something in the world of technology, innovation, mm-hmm. science, business. Mm-hmm. It's just something we feel like chatting about today. It's yeah. caught yeah, our yeah. eye, has our attention. All right. Mark, I'll let you kick this one off. What's tech connecting with you right now?
2: All right. So one of the things and Annie and I were chatting about this last night, I like, okay, what, what, what's out there, right? Well, One of the things that is super, super cool right now, and it just happens to be relevant, is cloud printing, right? Not something we think about or talk about a lot, but cloud printing in the sense of, John, not just, hey, we're sending data from the cloud to a print server, and then it's got to be routed to a printer. I'm talking about direct cloud to a printer, this is cool stuff when you really think about it. and you know, even five years ago who would have really thought something like this would have been possible or widely used? So anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Andy, you know, he was he was actually doing this live recently and it drives the point home that it, the beauty of combining a technology like color on demand with the ability to now, print to the printer directly from the
3: cloud, that's that's really cool stuff. That really changes the dynamic. You know, I'd like to touch on it. So, you know, we talked about how far we go back in technology, you know, and, and uh, you know, it used to be to, to con- just to connect your printer was this whole weird thing. You know, do you have an IEEE 1288 port, which nobody on this podcast probably even knows what it means, or a coax connector or a twin, And I mean, it was like this very dedicated weird complicated infrastructure blah 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 and it was to one piece of equipment to another piece of equipment and with this cloud thing all of a sudden we had an account we were talking with a software developer in sylvania i happen to be out here in california we had another group in uh ohio and then we had another manager over in uh, pennsylvania and then we were all working and looking at the same printer and then the, the guy in Slovenia says, yeah, I can see it's online. And then somebody else says, okay, let me try setting a label to it. And it was like, it you know, it's it really was, it was like, it was just like, I realized we're just at a whole nother threshold here as, as all this stuff becomes, you know, kind of like, you know, the internet of things, if you will. It's really just amazing that it, it would be inconceivable as a younger media. ever think that you could do something like that.
1: Yeah. Pretty yeah, cool stuff.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: definitely. Yep. Yep.
3: Yep. Andy, did you have. Yeah. Any- I grew up in the days
2: of IBM where you know, coax connector was as big as a coffee cup, right? I mean, it's just crazy that we've gone from that to, <laughs> to Hey, you can send a job to a printer in another country directly from the cloud. You know, it's crazy. pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Andy, did you have another tech connecting for yourself or is this a shared one for you guys?
3: I mean, it's, it's just that, that same concept, you know, I mean uh, you know uh, that this, this, ability to have devices accessed by the web you know and how you can access it. so you know i was uh you know in my personal life i was out with uh some friends and then they said uh, you know uh you know hey you know let's uh let's go back and sit in your spa you know is, how long will it take to heat up and i just pulled my phone and i said well let me just turn it on right you know it's it, it's it really is a new it's really you know emerging sharply how you can just do all this stuff right now which was gonna. Open up a whole new level of of power in these in these. Hey Andy,
2: the, what about the downside when your when your uh, your network goes down? Tell about that. I mean, <laughs> right? All of a sudden you don't have <laughs> your climate control right? Yeah, so, you
3: know, our, our router went out, and I realized, holy cow! I think we have like twenty devices on that on that router, right? You don't even realize how connected everything is, right? We're Ring and this and that, so it's a blessing and a curse, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got we got back from our trip this weekend, and mm-hmm. I saw a notification that said that my like our internet had been down for like two and a half days. Oh wow! Okay, I was like, all right, well, I was that was I wasn't there for that to be a problem for me, apparently, <laughs> but I would have been miserable had I actually been
1: there. So, right, 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 right. Oh, there you go. All
0: right, well, what's second act news, you Dean? Well,
1: I got one thing here. One place that you really don't want to be anymore would be the International Space Station. Here's the headline. finally falling apart? It, oh, yeah. Officially? International Space Station reportedly suffered its third coolant leak from a Russian-made laboratory module Yikes. over the past year. So apparently, all these Russian modules are starting to fall apart and <laughs> they're leaking coolant. <laughs> <laughs> but just like you would think, right? So they noticed that there was some type of a leak occurring mm-hmm. on the cameras outside. And so what does NASA Is do? Are anybody even up there right now? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. somebody up there. And so what does NASA do? They put in the call to the people that are up there and say hey by the way can you guys look out the window real quick because (laughs) we see flakes "Quote unquote," coming from one of the two radiators of the multi-purpose laboratory, man, dude, I'm telling you, there's no way I'd go up there because you know it's obvious it was a it was a combo thing, right? Right, The Russians were up there too, but you know Putin just said he's dedicating all his dollars towards making ammunition and stuff like that for the war. I mean, the ISS has got to be like the furthest thing from their mind. (laughs) I don't know. All of a
2: sudden, this is low on the priority list, right?
1: Really (laughs) low on the priority (laughs) list, and and it's kind if it's leaking all over the place, dude, I'm not going. It's I like know. having
0: that roommate that just stopped doing laundry and <laughs> cleaning up after themselves. <laughs> we like, nope. Yep. Yep, not doing I'm it. I'm not going to do it. I'm paying the rent, but that's it. Yeah. That's
1: right. So <laughs> if you get an invitation to go to the ISS, just turn it down. I don't think I'm going to, for yeah. one
0: thing, but yeah. No. yeah Even if it's a color
1: label it. opportunity. <laughs> 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 you, you need to turn that down. Well, here's
0: what you can do is you can tell your customer if they do have any of that excess labels laying around they can't use anymore. Maybe they can ship them to NASA. Oh, to patch the leaks? Yeah, so they can send out their <laughs> patching stuff, you know? like <laughs>
2: What do you think yeah. of that,
0: Andy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get some benefit out of them. I don't know. But like, look, pennies on the for the label here. Yeah. Right? You yeah, can yeah. patch up some holes on the ISS. It's so. good for our ESG, you, you know? Never, right yeah. yeah, you never know. NASA might be desperate.
2: Good way to recycle those labels. That's it.
0: That's it.
1: <laughs> exactly, John, what's tech connecting with you? Uh,
0: all right. So um, apparently, uh, crabs are here to save the day. Crabs? Yeah, they're like, like the, little little crabs a, coming as, out of the ocean. As this article from Vox indicates, not all heroes wear crabs, and not all heroes wear capes. Sorry, okay. I just totally botched that. <laughs> Some are crabs. So apparently uh, there's a, a movement going on in Florida where scientists are getting ready to unleash masses of crabs okay. to assist with the coral reef problem there. Oh. So as they note in the article here, that like about half of the world's corals have been wiped out due to warming seas, disease, right. other Bleaching, threats. All yeah, that all, that. all this yep. kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And all just our various trash that we're always dumping in the oceans. And apparently ninety percent of the coral reef in Florida is already deteriorated. Mm. So there this problem keeps accelerating. There was a big heat wave in the Caribbean that did not mm-hmm. help out, apparently. That's right. yep. So now like as a as a method to help out because a lot of what's going on here is algae is the big part of the problem apparently. okay all right this algae which feeds off of the kind of you know, trash and yeah, waste right. and stuff yep. that we're dumping into the uh-huh. ocean, it gets bigger itself, is starting to cloy onto these reefs. It's destroying them, it's keeping them from getting sunlight, and it's, and so it's how did, and, yeah. and making them useless. And and if you don't know, you know, coral reefs have uh, served multiple functions. One of them being it's great for a lot of, you know, uh, sea wildlife yeah, and yeah. a lot of the fish that we're fishing is, yep, and using yep. it ourselves. Just the watch Nemo. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Nemo. yeah. Finding Nemo. As well as, especially in Florida, a lot of those reefs were helping shore up the shoreline ah. for devastating storms. Yeah, and hurricanes, hurricanes to keep from flooding yeah. being quite as massive. So, so what are the crabs going to do? See here? why we have a problem. Well, apparently, well, what do they do? These particular crabs, and I, I do not have the name of them off the top of my head. You're looking at here, but uh, these particular crabs apparently feast on algae. Like oh, they I'm love talking it. like serious feasting. Got like, it. Just consume it. algae at at massive amounts. So they basically are breeding thousands upon thousands of these crabs to unleash them to go out and go start eat feeding boys. on this yeah. algae and hopefully opening this back up again. <laughs> now what I thought was also I thought, like it fun about this article too, and as always we always have links to these articles in the show notes, is apparently because they're raising they're they're breeding so many of these in captivity, yes. they are not necessarily automatically know how to handle predators. Oh so to help out with that, okay. they have been using puppets <laughs> They're getting local <laughs> school kids <laughs> to create puppets because these and crabs, can't, like the bad crabs can't really see very well anyway. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Basically, creating puppets of like squids and other predatory yeah. fish or whatever yeah. that might try to feed on crabs. And they're creating these hand puppets that then that their people go in and like stick into tanks or whatever You're to serious right poke now. at the fish. Yeah. And, yeah and make or poke at the crabs and make them back <laughs> off, you know, so do they recognize what a predator might look like all or right. might seem feel like or whatever <laughs> and stay away from it. So when they get out there they can I mean, avoid predators and get onto their house. This is deep. they thought through all of this. They've apparently. thought through all of it, yeah. So there you go. Crabs are going to save our coral reefs and maybe even the world. Who, Who knows? knew?
1: So, Who knew?
0: Uh, that's what's tech connecting with us today. Good stuff. <laughs> Mark Middendorf, Andy Shirts. thank you guys so much for Thanks, joining gentlemen. us on the pod. We appreciate having you. Hey uh, until next time, you know, um go out uh you know get some people talking about their labels. Yes, some some yeah, color Go find some opportunities,
1: absolutely. Go and, to a uh, brewery.
0: And the next time you see a crab, thank it, you know. <laughs> maybe before you eat it, I don't know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and as always, folks, please stay connected. <laughs> Technic Tech podcast is brought to you by Epson. All right, Dean, now that we've uh, sold everybody on the benefits of in-house color label printing. Yes, sir. Let's discuss how an Epson printer can get
1: the job done for your customers. <laughs> well, I hope they have an option for us,
0: yes. <laughs> be a shame if they talk about all right. that and we're like, oh, sorry. We don't have anything for you. Yeah. Oh, of course not. <laughs> The Colorworks CWC4000 is a powerful and compact on-demand commercial color inkjet label printer. Pricing that 20 times. Yeah. Service. Nice. Engineered by Epson for demanding applications and backed by industry-leading service and support. The C4000 delivers exceptional, crisp photo-quality images up to 1200 DPI resolution. It's compatible with ZPL2, major middleware, SAP, Windows, Mac, and Linux for seamless integration and features a dust and water-resistant design for high-duty cycle environments.
1: Nice stuff. Remember how
0: we talked about like show not tell on this thing, right?
1: I yes. You show this off and you're gonna impress some people. Absolutely. You see the quality of this thing, and uh, knock
0: you out. Exactly. Low cost, optional Wi-Fi connectivity, remote printer management, speeds up to four inches per second, and easy to operate with a color LCD screen and fast media and deep loading. If on-demand in-house color labeling is in your customer's agenda, and it probably should be. Yes. The ColorWorks CWC4000 is ready for the job. Check out the link in the show notes for a spec sheet and additional details second podcast is also brought to you by zebra it's a rugged tablet yes it's a rugged laptop yes it's a rugged vehicle mount mobile computer
1: holy moly
0: all in one everything you need all in
1: one tablet there you go no
0: it's not the latest comic book you're <laughs> at.
1: The all-in-one. Ch- tablet man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's Zebra's ET60 and ET65 tablets, the most versatile Android business tablets. These tablets thrive virtually anywhere, from the harsh environments in warehouses and manufacturing plants to the unpredictable outdoor ports, yards, and field services. It might even survive Arizona.
1: Doesn't matter. Yeah. Was, so, yes, you know. Yeah. 100 degrees, no problem. <laughs> No problem. Su-
0: super bright 1,000-nit display for any lighting, outdoor or indoor. New patent-pending vehicle dock with heated keyboard or friction hinge keyboard accessory. Wi-Fi 6E and 5G connectivity. Eight years of service and support. lifecycle. Did
1: you just say eight years? Eight years. Holy Who moly. Who guarantees anything for eight years right? anymore? That's mm-hmm. solid right there. That's impressive. That's impressive.
0: Check out the link in the show notes to learn more and find helpful sales resources. The Technic Podcast is also brought to you by ELO. And the 70 Series Full HD Professional Grade Touch Monitors. The 70 Series delivers professional grade feature rich platforms well suited for POS, interactive digital signage, self service document signing, and more All right, let's talk about some features let's we love, do we it. love talking features. we like features you got a narrow border touch screen
1: that's important got yes. a, he wants a big clump no you don't work yeah, no. you know, you it's not that. sleek it's not sexy
0: energy star 8.0 certified
1: Ooh, okay uh, so you know, saving some, of that, some energy uh, yeah, yeah some of that
0: esg standard that's stuff right we were talking yep, about yep, there yep, yep. scratch resistant surface mm. durable ik07 design uh low blue light and clicker free yep. touch on screen display display tilt from 20 to 70 degrees Built-in speakers and a collapsible stand for visa mounting. What more do you need? I don't know. They got it all covered. But yeah. hang on, wait, but oh, wait. Oh wait, wait, wait. There's, There's more. more. <laughs> Available in 22, 24, and now 27-inch sizes in black or white housings. The 70 series delivers the quality and reliability you expect from Elo, backed with a standard three-year warranty, extendable to five years with optional advanced.
1: Replacement. Boom.
0: Check out the link in the show notes to learn more about these new monitors.